0: I just want to learn with you <clears throat> a pasuk that we say all the time in Tehillim especially these times first of all it's so worthwhile to learn Tehillim it's so worthwhile to understand the words of David Melech. we're used to reading Tehillim which definitely has a value but you could imagine that understanding it is a whole different Life of Tehillim, especially if we understand it in depth, it's it takes on a whole new feeling of saying Tehillim. Um, it's, a, it's a worthwhile investment that a person should make when we can. Um, so I'm going to learn one pasuk with you, just as a little little sample. The pasuk begins Shir la Maalot. In Tehillim, there are 15 Shir Hamalots. You'll find them by Yom Shabbat, the last part of Tehillim. And they're consecutive, written one after the other. 15 of them. The reason why there's 15. The word ma'alot means steps. Right? There are 15 steps in the Beta Migdash going from one section to another, and the Leviim would stand on these steps and sing. So these 15 shir ma'alot, they were songs that were sung by the steps of the Beta Migdash. One per step representing the steps the 15 steps. What's interesting is that all of them begin with Shir Hamaalot, which would mean the song of the steps. Only one of the fifteen begins with Shir Lamaalot, which means a song for the steps. So Shir Hamaalot is song of the steps. Shir Lamaalot. Song for the step. Why the difference? What does it mean? So the Radak says on the Pasuk that it's, it's interchangeable, that uh, He and Lamid could mean the same thing, which is okay to be able to understand the words, but still bothersome that randomly one of them would have a Lamid instead of a He. Rashi alava shalom on the pasuk says that as opposed to the other ones this one they would sing it when they would go on to the steps. So shir lam ma'alot when they're getting on to the ma'alot they would sing this one. That means this is the first one that they would sing. And then the other ones they would sing while they're on the steps. It's a very, very nice explanation. A little bit of a Troubling point though is that it happens to be it's not the first of the Shira Ma'alat. I mean, if that was the first one, then this answer would be perfect. It's the second one. You could say there's no order per se in the way they're written in Ta'ilim, which is okay. That's what Rashi says. But I'd like to share with you maybe a deeper explanation. What it means, shir la ma'alot. The word ma'alot doesn't only mean steps. In Hebrew, when you see a person and you want to know about them, so they say, "What's what's her ma'alot? What's his ma'alot?" Ma'alot means qualities that they excel at. Also means steps, but here the ma'alah means a quality of a person. So this could be what is meant here, Shir Lam Ma'alot. I mean besides that they sang this song on the steps of the Bet HaMikdash. But it's Shir Lam It's a song for a person who's looking to raise his Ma'alot. A person who's looking to raise their quality. Shir Lam Ma'alot. With that, we go to the next part of the pasuk. Esa'enay el-heharim. I raise my eyes to the mountains. Me'ain From where? Yavo ezri. From where will my help come? The way the song sounds like you have a person who's looking up at the mountains, wondering where he can find help. What kind of person is that? Usually when you want help, you don't go to the mountains. Usually if you need help, well, if you need, if a health issue, you go to a doctor. If it's a financial issue, you go to someone in business if it's a spiritual issue, you go to a rabbi. When was the last time you went to the mountains looking for help? Esa'enai el-heharim. I raise my eyes to the mountains. Me'ain yavo ezri. Where am I getting help from? Well, for sure, the mountains aren't going to help you. So I'm not sure the simple way of understanding these words. Anybody here have a have a? Uh, what did you think it meant till now? I assume you knew what the words meant. What what do you what you think it means? I raise my eyes to the mountains. From where will my hell come? What, what, why don't you raise your eyes to the oceans? Why, why don't you raise your eyes to the desert? What what? What are the mountains gonna do for you? How did you understand till now? Anyone? Could you give me an opinion? What do you think it means? Says it? No? What do you think? Yes? Whoa, like, like, Hashem! whoa. Oh, Hashem. When did Hashem come in? Is a, El- a person who needs help. He doesn't know where to get help from. I mean, you've been in life in situations where you needed help. So wh- wh- why go into the mountains? Yes? The given <laughs> <goes> <laughs> tarad, like but it goes to the mountains. It's not going to Har Sinai. I'm going to the mountains. Why is he going to the mountains? Yes. Maybe <laughs> <you said laughs> it, uh, wow. Hear that? You're on the money, Rosie on the money. How nice is that? So it could be one way to look at it is that when a person has nowhere to turn and sometimes in life it's like that like there's no one to help you it's not a health issue or it's not an issue that you can get someone to actually step in and help you and you feel helpless so you just go to the mountain and say where am I getting help? It's almost as if Basically, you're discussing a person that has no one to help him. That could be the simple explanation. Now, why mountains? Not, uh, uh, not uh, the oceans. You know, Maybe the mountains are high and maybe you're looking up to Hashem, but you're looking for something that's going to get you there. I don't know. But bottom line, the simple explanation might be that a person feels helpless, they have no one to turn to, and all they can do is look up to the mountain and say, "Where am I getting help from?" Yes for it. Oh, hold on. I'm getting to that. beautiful. Good memory. So far so good. But perhaps a deeper explanation is that shir maalot? Here's a person who wants ma'alot He wants to hit, she wants to hit very high places in their life shir maalot. And this song is supposed to give you the direction So what does this person want? He's raising his eyes to the top of the mountain that's the top of the ma'alot. yavo ezri. Where am I going to get help getting to the top of the mountain? Each person is climbing their own mountain. I want to hit the top. Me'ain yavo ezri. Where will my help come from to reach the top? The Midrash says on this pasuk, I think, honestly, everything that we learn is life-changing, no question. But this is life-shaking. And it may not sound that way when you first hear it. But I realize today, as I'm thinking about this, that this is not life-changing. It really shakes you up in a good way. Says the Midrash, al tikra harim. Don't read the word harim. It's not telling you to take a ink and cross it out. What the Midrash means is, yes, there's literal words, there's mountains. But, there's something deeper about that word. Read it horim. The word horim is used to describe parents. But really the word hore or more means someone who teaches. So literally it means don't read it essainai ele harim. Read it, Esa El-Horim. Very close to Harim. But Harim means, you need to look to your teachers. Esa Enai harim. It would be giving the answer, Shir La-Ma'alot. Oh, you're, you're looking for Ma'alot in life? Esa Open your eyes, and start to look up to your teachers. Find your teachers, and ask them me'ayin Ask them to help you. How you're going to get to be the great you? Now, so far, that seems like a nice explanation, but let me tell you why it's shaking me as I think about it today. I realize today, and I don't think you'll disagree with me, that we are being taught constantly in life. We are students. And unfortunately, very often don't even know that we're students. What do I mean when I say we're students? We are being taught, but we don't realize that we're being taught. For example, if I would go to an average American and I would say, let's not go to an average American. Let's go to an average person in our community. Average, not so connected. And you ask them, so tell me, don't you want to know how Sarah Imenu dated Abraham? Wouldn't you want to know how Yitzhak dated Rivka? Wouldn't you want to know how your great-grandmother used to date? Like when she's ready to get married, build a bayit ne'eman. You know, you're not the first single person around. You know that? There have been single people for thousands of years. Wouldn't you want to really learn and understand how all these people dated? Probably, they would look at me and laugh. If not externally, internally. In their minds, they would say, "That's like so hazy, so passé. Like, come on, that's not the way to do it. It's not the way to date. I'm gonna learn from my great grandmother how to date. Come on." So, what's your idea of dating? Could you tell me what you think? What's the American idea of dating? Unfortunately, it's even close to us. You put people who don't know each other, or barely know each other, put them in a very loud room, and they can't hear each other talk. Put some very strong lights where they can't see anything. Make sure there's a lot of alcohol and some drugs, too, so they can't really understand anything anyway. And this is how they're going to meet. And this is how they're going to prepare to get to know each other. If I came from a different place and described this to somebody who didn't think that this actually happens, they would say, you're crazy. Who would do that? That's the American society. In America, the way you get to know each other is you go to these types of places. That's going to build a bayit ne'eman. That's the future of a great marriage. That's what you think is sharp and awesome and new and exciting? You think your great-great-grandmother is hazi? Now, why does that person think that Because they've been taught. They are students. They're students of Hollywood. They're students of people who are teaching them all the time. You know how many lessons you and I have been taught in our raising in this country? You have any idea how many things that we think is the way we think? People will say, but that's what I like. Do you realize that if you walk around the streets, you realize people are being taught what to wear? And it's yearly the difference. Every year they come out with a new lesson. Last year, Shi'ur, they wanted us to wear blue. But this year they decided that blue is not the right way to go. It's going to be pink. And then they decided that, no, pink is not the right way. It's going to be different kind of colors. And then they decided, we're going to go short this year. And then a year later, they said, no, we're going long. One year we go tight. One year we go. And you would think this is kind of some kind of joke. But that's what's going on. People are students. Students. We are students. But the uniqueness of this student, that's you and me, is we don't even realize that we're students. It's being taught in such a way that you think it's you. You think it's, oh, it's me that likes this. I like it this way. I think this is the way that we should date. I think this is the way that we should dress. And the lessons are constant. What kind of watch you should wear? What kind of brand name? A watch is no longer something people wear to tell time. Or even to look nice on their hands. It's not a piece of jewelry. It's status. What kind of watch you have? Oh, that, only that? Uh. People will even wear ugly watches if they give them a status. There are watches people wear, they're not even nice. But they say something about you. And if I ask you, why are you wearing that? You say, because I like it. No, wait, you don't like it. You were taught to like it. So many things that we do in our lives. Brand names. You were born with a brand name. You were born liking a brand name? Obviously not. You say, oh, I love that. You don't love that. You were taught to love that. You're a student of people who taught you to love that. They taught you how to dress. They taught you what to wear. They taught you what kind of jewelry or what kind of watches you should have. They taught you how you should vacation. They teach you values. And we sit there and we listen to the Hollywood stars. Stars is such a shameful name for such people who have such a low quality of life. Of course, we'll never get to know their real life because they only show us what they want us to see, what makes them money and popular. But every so often you hear a guy died in a bathtub. Every so often you'll hear a guy killed himself and you'll hear, oh yeah, he had a long history of drugs. Oh yeah, he's divorced eight times. You'll hear all these stories coming out. These are the teachers of this country. It's scary. The music that people listen to or people get excited about. They've been taught that this is the way. So many things in our lives that we take as, that's what I think. No, I like it. No, no, it's me. It's me. It's nobody else. I like it. And little do you realize that you are being taught not necessarily everything you're taught is wrong, but clearly we are students in this world. We are constantly being taught by people. And the biggest danger when you're taught is when you don't even realize that you're being taught. Because if you realize that you're being taught, so at least you choose your teacher. What greater danger is there to be taught by someone and you don't even realize you're a student? They're giving you so much information. They're affecting your lives. How many of us right now can name dozens, dozens, much more than dozens, but let's just say dozens, of things that are a part of our life, that are automatic to us, And we've been taught that from sources that I wouldn't call them very reliable, very authentic. They give us lessons on everything. What's important in life? If you have money. That's a value that a lot of us have. When you have money, you become important. Money has always been important. People always wanted to have money. But money doesn't make you important. Money can give you ability to do important things. But having money doesn't make you important. But you living in a society with me that they teach us that if you have money, you're important. They have a magazine. Who's the top 500 people who are important? Who are Wealthy. Top 100. What are these? Top top what? Top who? Just because they have money, they're top in what area? But it's automatically, see, it's being taught to you. Money equals important. If you're famous, you're important. Being famous doesn't make you important. What you influence others, that can make you important. The fact that people know your name, who cares? Why is that important? But in today's world, that's important. Fame is important. Money is important. Status. People following you. All kinds of values. The car is what makes you important. A car is very important. It gets you from one place to another. And if you can find a comfortable car too that drives nicely, it's very good. No problem. But unfortunately, for many people, a car is a status. It's more than a drive. And of course, the person will say, but I love that car. But you have to understand, you were taught to love that car. So many things in our lives that are daily, day to day, that we are literally students of people teaching us. Even something so obvious as the Super Bowl in this country. You ask the average person, Super Bowl, oh, it's a very, that's a very important game. It's a very important game. Why do you think it's an important game? What does it matter? How did it become so important in your life? That game. Ask the average American. Why? You know, if you go to a different country, in Mexico, they don't care about the Super Bowl. But in Mexico, maybe if they're playing the World Cup, everybody shuts down. That's a very important game. In this country, they play the World Cup cares really that much so what made them important to who when answer is you're a student you're just listening in and they're feeding you and you're not even realizing that you're being taught constantly that is the biggest danger it's one thing if you decided I want this to be my teacher that's at least a decision you made But to be caught in life, to be a student of those who you didn't choose, what a tragedy. Look around you, pay attention, notice even in yourself. Unfortunately, we're not uh, exempt from this. So many things that we hold as valuable or we assume that's the way it should be. If they tell you tomorrow no socks that's it guys boys men no more socks when you wear your suits take off the socks everyone says well why yeah you know i don't like socks you know that i used to like socks but for some reason i don't like them anymore i'm not sure why just a thing that i like i don't like socks anymore you don't like socks anymore that's really what happened you don't like socks But your rabbi, your teacher, your rabbi said, this year we're cutting the socks down. Now you walk around with socks, you see like, wow, I'm really, I'm really like my grandma now. I'm so old. Like, who dresses like that? Like great-grandpa used to wear socks. Who wears socks today? Socks is not new. Socks is not a thing. It's not a thing. Wait, who decided that thing? No, that's what I think. That's what I feel. I'm just saying I'm you what I feel. Really? It's what you feel? You really believe that? It's everywhere. So many things that we could see in ourselves and others. We're not bad people. They're not bad people. But clearly, they've been taught. but taught so well in such a way that they actually think it's coming from within them. That's a fact of life. Shir la-ma'alot You want to get ma'alot in your life? By the way, I, I, you just keep going. You just keep thinking of things. The way people talk. Cursing. The way they present themselves. They've also been taught that. Even teenagers who have this like kind of disrespect for their parents or look down at their parents like they're old people like don't know anything or like school is like not so important. Many people have that attitude. It's also taught. It's shown on the screens. It's made fun of in movies. It's mocked. People talk together and they make fun of things, and you're a student. Of course school is not important. Why would we go to school? That's the way people think. It says David sa hehorim." the first thing you need to do in your step of greatness Is choose your teachers. Who's going to teach you in life? It seems that having teachers is part of the human reality. It's unavoidable. But at least choose your teachers. You're not as independent as you think. Could be you're better at some things than others. Could be you're more independent on some things than others. But clearly, you could be a student right now of many things and you don't realize it. There are many things that you hold valuable because you were taught that, not because you thought of that. Says David Amelech, Shila Ma'alot, Esa'inayil le'ahorim. Choose your teachers. Choose your role models. Choose the people you want to learn from. You know why when you, I brought up Sarah, how she got married, and Rifka, how she got married, or even your great-grandmother, how she got married, you know why you laughed? Not you, but you know why many people would laugh? Because they were taught a totally different way. And they actually think that's what they think. Says David and Melech, you gotta get new teachers. You gotta at least choose your teachers, choose authentic teachers who have real advice. Real value for things. Teachers that are not going to tell you every week what's the new trend today. Teachers who aren't interested in your money. Teachers who are interested in your greatness, in your ma'alot. And by the way, in the word harim, there's a hint to what kind of teacher. It may not give everything, but it gives you a little something about the teachers you should choose. You know what's unique about a mountain? How come great teachers were in the Pasuk compared to mountains? That's the way David Melech said it. He said mountains, but also means teachers. Why is he getting teachers from mountains? There's something very interesting about a mountain. When you're near a mountain, very, very close to a mountain... You hardly know it's a mountain. You think it's like some hill or something, or some, like maybe it's going up, the road is going up a little bit. You don't know you're in a mountain when you're next to a mountain. As you go away from the mountain, and you look at where you were, and you say, Whoa, what a mountain! I never realized how high that was. Great people in life. Don't make themselves next to you feel like a mountain. They make you feel like they're very like you. They're very approachable. They're very simple. They talk to you as a one-to-one with all the respect in the world. When you're next to them, you don't feel anything special because they're so humble the wrong teachers that are teaching humanity, go see what they look like. Their heads are always up high, never looking at anybody else, always looking to be above the rest, trying to always show why they're better. You look at them and they look at you, if you're lucky, if they look at you or pay attention to you. They walk around, as if they're the master that you need to bow to. After all, they're much richer than you. They're much smarter than you. They're much more popular than you. They walk around and you're expected to lower yourself to be like a zero next to them. The fake people actually act They try to be a mountain, but a real mountain is not like that. They try to be tall and make everybody low. They want to be the people. And they make sure you know it. I remember, and I'll finish with this, I remember a story. I had a friend years ago that was very, 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 very into one of the basketball players on the New York Knicks. Very, very into it. And I remember... Some years back, I was talking to him. He was broken. Broken. He went to some baseball game. And who's sitting right next to him? This guy that he's idolized for like 20 years. He bought every uniform the guy wore. He watched every game the guy played. He saw every interview the guy was written up in, 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 in a newspaper or in a match. The guy was totally, he saw him next to him in a baseball game, sitting down. He said he almost passed out. Oh my goodness, look who's next to me. And he went to introduce himself. And the guy says to him, don't you talk to me. I don't have time to talk to you now. Guy was a broken person. Guy is idolized. Spent 20 years learning from you. The guy's trying to be a mountain above him. You're nobody. You're zero. You're lucky if I look at you. You're lucky if I notice you. The real mountains, when you're next to them, you don't feel a mountain. You see a regular person. Hi, how are you doing? How are you? Can I help you with something? Of course. They say hello to you first. Make sure that you're comfortable around them. They look very equal to you. Only years they pass away, after they pass away, and they're not there anymore, you look back and you say, What was that? That was a mountain. That was someone huge. But I never felt it. Around them, they made me feel. So equal. So much like them. (inaudible) Esa enai el heharim. Heharim. Horim. Teachers are are like the real harim. Harim, Horim that teach you authentic and they make you feel authentic as a person. This is the first step. Step of shir la ma'alot. Shir la ma'alot know that you're a student constantly learning from others be smart to choose your teachers and when you choose your teachers just remember at least one thing there may be more things to look for but one thing choose teachers that are like mountains that when you that they're very tall they're giants but you don't feel that way when you're around them it's a beautiful beginning a very special pasuk in Tehillim. I don't know if you'll remember everything that we said when you say that pasuk, but even if you remember a part of it, a piece of it, now every time you say, Harim" and you remember that, it adds something much bigger into your neshama. Hashem, you should have tremendous Amen.